0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's podcast for Everything Is Brand. So we noticed the popularity of The Social Dilemma on Netflix. So for the next couple of weeks, we want to talk about social media. And we're going to start this week by asking the question, is branded social media fake? So, so Christian, what do you think? I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of influencers now, there's a lot of branding done in social media. Is it real? Is it more authentic or is it more fake? Do people see through it? What are, what are your thoughts? Let's
1: talk about influencers. We are constantly seeing new influencers and the
0: moment they start getting paid for their publications or their call outs or their shout outs or whatever they do, you kind of lose that authenticity, right? Mm. So you kind of start thinking, is it really real or is it fake just because they're getting paid? So that's a question that I've started making myself because it makes no sense to think that someone that's getting paid to use a product is authentic, at least 100% authentic. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting because I, I saw someone identify themselves as an influencer in their uh, LinkedIn profile. And I, I'm thinking to myself, like, is that a job now? I guess <laughs> it is. But what does it even mean? I mean, are, are people watching these people and buying the products that they're using? I mean, it, they must be, right?
2: They are for sure. I mean, when you talk about famous people, whether that's people in sports or movies or whatever their persona is, they're popular people and people follow them and people follow what they do, what they say. And quite frankly, that's an easy way for any brand to pay them some money and have, they can reach millions of people through that influencer.
0: I understand celebrities a hundred percent and they've been doing, celebrities have been doing that for years and years, but like a lot of these influencers aren't celebrities. They have maybe 15,000 followers. They just live in, I don't know, Utah or something. And they do their floor with a Roomba and then they sell the Roomba. But there you go. You just said 15,000 followers,
2: right? So for a brand to get 15,000 followers is a lot of work and it takes time. You actually pay that influencer with only 15,000 followers And obviously, somebody like that will be a lot cheaper than if you're paying a celebrity, right? But now you have access to to that audience. And that's really what brands are doing. Now, is it authentic? No, from that point of view. But it's a channel to a bigger audience.
3: So a couple of things, I think I think it started off innocently, like if I remember, you know uh back when my son was born it started off as a mom really saying wow you know Pampers diapers are fantastic you know my kids butts always dry blah 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 it started off authentically i think it started off sharing of information and what was good or what was bad and then this endorsement piece came of The influencer side of it, I think that brands have a difficult uphill battle trying to reach everybody, right? The masses, right? So how do you start to reach the masses? Well, you start at the ground, like locally, right? And that's what the influencers offer. The influencers offer a community, a smaller community of uh, friends and whatever else they're promoting on their social media accounts. So, and those smaller communities perhaps allow that brand. You know, access to those folks that you would not normally being larger. Like how do you get out to the masses, right? You have to start small. But to Christian's point, the minute you associate a price tag to that, do you trust them anymore? And here's here's a great example. My son was watching a video yesterday on YouTube. He loves RVs and he's watching this RV video and the guy's promoting Lowe's. The number of times he mentioned Lowe's in the video. My antenna immediately went up and like, you know, the guy's probably getting paid by Lowe's, you know, like there's probably something. And then he mentioned some DeWalt tools and I'm like, yep, there's another sponsorship. And to the average person who's use who's seeing that they probably don't pick up on it. You know, I think we would because this is the nature of our industry. But I don't know that I'm okay with that. And I mean, it, it could have been innocent. But I think my mind's so tainted now that everybody's tied to some promotion and getting some sort of kickback from something that I don't know that I trust any of it.
0: For a lot of influencers now, and I think even celebrities, that uh, they have to state whether there's a sponsorship happening. And so it's a little more clear than it used to be, I think. But I just find the influencers or the people that I follow that do some of this kind of thing, it some of them do it better than others. And I think that if they're if they're just showing, like I, I follow this one person who cooks all these really great recipes and, and throws some product mentions in along the way. But you're getting a really great recipe out of it and, and it's all good. I find that some of them, though, it's all about the sponsorships and getting as many in as they can and making as much money as they can, which is fine. I mean, everybody's allowed to make money. But it just comes across, like you were saying, Gabby, where they say the product every two seconds, and it just it loses any sense of content. I mean, here's here's a question for everyone: Is it okay to inject some of this into valuable content, or when the sponsorship or when the ad becomes the content, is that when it becomes fake? What do you think?
2: Well, it's interesting if if you think back to you know magazine days, uh, you know print publications advertorials were done all the time. And it was basically an article that was, let's say, two pages long that, that was written for a specific topic, and it was paid by a company, right? So it was specifically written for a purpose, and it came across like a story, but it really, it wasn't a, a news story. It wasn't an opinion. It was directly advertising their product, but it was disguised as an article. And, I mean, and there you go
3: the right. disguise right. exactly. It's yeah. all that same vein. And that's, yeah. I think, where we go wrong.
2: But does that make it fake in the sense that it's, it's advertising and I think it's up to the audience to figure out, is it useful information or is it not useful information? And, and research it more to see what they're actually going to get from it.
0: But if you go back to the origins of advertising, basically what happened was that the content was created and then the advertising was kind of laid over it. And the advertising and the content were not connected in any way. Yes, you might put family-friendly advertising on family-friendly content. That was fine. But there was no influence Of what the content was going to be from the advertiser you know now what we're talking about in those advertorials um and 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 to your point marco i mean i remember seeing those but i always thought that they looked so fake and i never read them or took them to heart in any way because it, it felt like the bias was so obvious um that it just like for example a big bank talking about financial planning well obviously you're trying to sell me financial products. You're not telling me necessarily what's in my best interests. So the issue is, should we be tying content to the advertising? Should the advertising have any influence on the content at all? And if it does, does that make the content fake?
3: I don't think it makes it fake. I think it makes it less valuable. Right. And I think it reflects badly on the brand too,
0: right? Jeremy, you said you do think it. You think it. Makes
1: yeah, I fake. think it makes it fake. Absolutely, I, I. I don't trust any of that stuff when I see it. Mm-hmm. The minute it's it, it, there's other motives. There's other agendas for sure that are happening. Yeah. I mean, I instantly it turns me off. Like I just like I walk away from it. Everything, and I mean, it's it's in everything. Like. I don't know. My habit is always to go to multiple sources. When I'm checking a review on something, I'm not just taking one person's word for it. I'm looking at multiple places. I'm going to different areas. And, and I do that out of habit, like for everything that I do, because I, I just, I guess I'm suspect of everyone in that sense, that there, there's always an agenda behind it. So if I hear it from multiple areas, then I'm a little bit more, okay, you know, and I read the good reviews, and I read the bad reviews, and and all that. And I form my own opinion from that stuff. Because
3: that's not that's not where we're going. That's not where society is going. That's not where we're we're seeing more and more people being influenced by these other folk. And that's actually kind of scary, if you ask me, because no longer but, no longer are the brands pushing out their advertising, and you can make that judgment. Now you've got individuals with their own qualities, personality, whatever, like humans literally mm-hmm. say, buy this, buy this, trust me, buy this, buy this. And so I think that that's,
1: that's the word, sorry, that I want to go back to. I mean, we've been talking a lot about authenticity, but I think trust is a big part of this. Um, when you look at these people and, and where you get your information from, trust is a huge part of that. Like you build trust with somebody. If you are following an influencer, it's because you trust them. Right. So I, I think that as much as we're talking about authenticity, it's 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 those those people with those fifteen thousand followers or whatever, they've built that trust with those people and those brands are buying that trust as much as as much as anything else. Yep.
2: Right. And and that in itself doesn't make it fake or bad. So let's say that somebody who is, you know, a specialist in RVs or whatever. And a company that actually sells something that relates to, you know, people that are interested in that particular topic, somebody who built that trust, Jeremy, to your point, maybe they endorse it in the sense that they say, you know, that company is doing something, they have a good product or they have provided a good service or whatever it is. So it's promotion, right? So it's just another channel. And yes, there is a lot more of it now, Because of all the different channels, so many people are doing all kinds of things. But I don't think that it's any worse than it it was. It's just there's a lot more of it.
3: Okay. I I think it is worse. And I'll tell you this. After watching that social dilemma, I think the thing that I was most pissed about, and I've known this for years is the fact that organic reach is basically dead. Mm-hmm. No longer can a brand just push out their message and their nice little post about Tide Pods or whatever it is and, and have it seen by regular consumers. You pretty much got to pay to play. Pay to play.
0: <laughs> you got to pay to
3: play. You got to pay to get eyeballs. And is there something wrong with that model? I think there is.
0: Yeah, well, because what it what it says is that I mean, we're used to the search engines being a source of information. And information is supposed to give you multiple sources like you were saying, Jeremy. Like if you go back to the origins of Google, for example, what would come up on the page is various sources of information. It's exactly what you were just saying, Jeremy, so that you could then as the person looking for that information, you could make a determination. Okay. This is the one I want to look at, but I'm also going to look at these next four or five things and I'm going to make a judgment to myself. But to your point, Gabby, if things are being offered up to us based on the highest price, then it's no longer about information. Now it's about control. And now it's yep. about who is spending the most to appear at the highest. So we've taken a, a source that used to be an information source and we've turned it into an advertising engine, which yep. is, is not a bad thing in and of itself. I mean, we all work in marketing and branding, but the reality is, is that that's a different contract or a different social contract mm-hmm. than what we were originally given. And, and are, we, are we prepared for that? Are we ready for that? Yeah, you know, I highly
3: uh, doubt I highly doubt Jeremy's going to page five of his <laughs> Google results to get whatever other information he's uh, got.
2: sometimes you
3: know. I do. Sometimes <laughs> I do.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: you, you mentioned at the very beginning the documentary on Netflix. And one of the the best lines that I heard in, in that documentary was that if you're not paying for the product. You are the product, and that is absolutely true. Companies develop all kinds of solutions, all kinds of things that we use on a daily basis, and we don't pay anything for that.
3: Isn't it getting a little out of hand? Well, oh, I think it, it, I think all of it started off innocently enough. I thought, you know, it all started off for, okay, a couple bucks, whatever. But now you've got, geez, uh, oh, law firms paying big bucks on certain keywords. You know. Oh, um, I, I think that
2: it will start getting out of hand or it will reach that point when actually when people start tuning out in the sense that they start closing their social media accounts, that they actually stop paying attention to all of that. Only at that time will companies have to figure out a a new way of reaching them.
3: It is it is out of hand. It is out of hand when we talk about it from a product perspective, but we can touch on the political side of it. You know, when you've got political parties paying for advertising. That's scary. That's yeah,
2: scary. But I agree, but again, go back and I'm I'm going to compare it to years ago. The olden days.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know,
2: because we're talking about this kind of contrast of is it getting really bad now? That kind of promotion, advertising was done 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago it was done. It was the same way. you know. Companies were paying for advertising. Do you think that Coca-Cola, for example, became a popular brand because you know people just liked it? No, they were spending a ton of money putting up billboards, putting up advertising, putting up all kinds of stuff, all kinds of promotions. And a local, small local business that actually had a drink, it didn't have that kind of budget, had no chance of doing that. And so really the only thing is that it actually transferred from physical billboards and newspaper ads and all that kind of stuff onto the digital channels.
3: So I also think it was the sugar in it, the sugar yeah. in the product had you coming back more for more and
0: more right. and more. But outside, right? but outside of Coca-Cola, I mean, and, and you're absolutely right, Marco. I mean, this has been going on for years and years and years. I think one of the one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves is are we still being truthful though? Like back back in those olden days, they also had watchdogs and at the truth in advertising committee mm-hmm. and there were marketing watchdogs and the industry was very much, and I'm not saying it was perfect, it was not, but has truth left us? Like is is when when we say is it fake is it that there's an absence uh, or an absence of that watchdog part yeah. to it is there an absence of wanting to be authentic in some way is there an absence of society kind of policing ourselves a little bit mm-hmm. or are, are we in the wild west is this just a big free-for-all uh, now that we're on the digital channels that everybody can do and say anything they want whether or not it's 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 really true
3: Technology is moving so fast and we are iterating so quickly that policymakers cannot catch up. They don't even know what the hell the technology is, let alone being able to write Mm -hmm. policies around policing it whatsoever. That's true, that's true. It's moving too quickly.
2: But again, as an example, scientists knew a long time ago that smoking was bad for people. Yet people who were in charge of that didn't actually come out and say it publicly until years later, right? So again, no different. It's just that now we have more channels, more tools, but quite frankly, we also have more channels and more tools to educate ourselves, right? Like 30 years ago, somebody had to go to a library to, to be able to research something. Now you don't have to do that. Right. So, yes, there's a lot more information coming at you, but you also have a lot more tools to actually sort through that information and make a decision.
0: But is that real information? That's I think that's the whole point. Is that real information or is it paid for information? Mm -hmm. Is it like at least in a library, I, I could if I didn't like this book or I wanted other books, there were other like I would look at a topic and there would be 10 books on it and I could go to each of them. It's not as if there was somebody in those bookstands handing me little mm-hmm. essays on why I should take their information as the as the gospel word on whatever it was I was looking up. So so that's my point is that it, yes, if 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 the internet was just a distributor of information then yes, it's 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 wonderful and it's, it's tool is great. But if it's a tool of the information that the person paid the most money for is what goes to the end user, then that is that the scary part?
3: Yeah, it absolutely is. It's, it's, we're seeing it change people's moral compass. You know, we are seeing, you know, what you're being fed change, change you as a human being, change what you believe in You know, if you're fed the same thing over and over and over and over again, how can you keep an open mind? How do you know that there's another, you know, possibility? If the librarian was feeding you that same subject matter book after book after book, handing it to you in front of you, well, were you ever going to step away and go to three aisles over? (laughs)
1: <laughs> is it, wouldn't a library be the same thing? Like the publishing companies with the most money could put the best books inside the libraries? Like absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think we're talking about the same thing here. Yeah. I yeah. think the difference is, is I mean, it's on your computer at home versus going to the library but the libraries would work the same way.
0: Like, yeah, and that's a great point, Jeremy, is that there's there's always been and there always will be bias. And, and the yeah. people with the most opportunity are the ones who get their story. It's it's like that old quote, you know, history is ri- written by the people who won. <laughs> you know, it's not <laughs> written by, lot. by the people who, who lost or, or, or got into yeah. that situation. But you know, going back to something that you said earlier, Marco, about the smoking, that is absolutely true. And, and the industry did not govern itself well. And yes, it caused death and destruction in a lot of ways. But it almost feels like everything is smoking now. I mean, smoking was one element back then. Mm-hmm. But it, now it just feels like everything is the same way, whether it's, politics, whether it's products, whether it's information, doesn't matter what it is, it's whoever pays the most gets their message out there. And, and yes, to your point, Jeremy, that's always gone on. But is it is it made even worse by the proliferation of technology? Is, is it coming at us even faster and harder than it ever has in history?
1: Well, okay. in a sense, yes, yeah. because, I mean, there was, you know, a handful of publishing companies. I'm sure it's more than that in the yeah. old days. Yeah, uh, but now everybody's a publisher, right? Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah, like, that's a really great point, right? Yeah, so there's there's no gauge anymore. So yeah.
3: I don't think it's the technology per se that's the culprit here. I mean, technology, when used for good, can do great things. I think mm-hmm. you know it's the advertising model behind it. You know, it's the make money at all costs uh, model behind it, and then it starts to, you know blur the lines where's the ethics in this
2: but you you opened a whole different door (laughs) there when it comes to that (laughs) you know companies let's say 50 years ago they were concerned about long-term growth now it's about the next quarter right Mm -hmm. so so that's a different philosophy and there was a shift in that you know in terms of the kind of how businesses or large corporations operate where all of a sudden The shareholder was the the king and that's that's all that mattered. But that's a different style of running the whole business and corporations and all of that. And yeah, you're absolutely right. It comes down to money. What's going to make the shareholders the most money?
0: Here's a, a valid question that I think we need to kind of bring it back to. What can brands do if they're not the biggest brand on the shelf? What can brands do to make sure that they're products and that their messages are getting out there in among everybody else because especially during this pandemic we've seen a lot of shift to a very small number of brands and a lot of the smaller brands a lot of the singular brands are falling by the wayside is that what we want is that good for society is it bad for society what do you guys think
2: i would say being authentic is
0: absolutely key
2: now there then there will be promotion for sure And and then how you actually choose to promote yourself. That's really, I guess, you know, you have to kind of decide on how much you're going to push your particular service or product or whatever it is, because there is that fine line of pushing it too far where, you know, we start talking about fake advertising or promotions or whatever, influencers and all that kind of stuff. But I would say in general, try trying to be as authentic as possible is key for long-term success
1: unique yeah. too right I think yeah. you have to be unique you have yeah. to find your differentiation from everybody else so that you stand out in a way that maybe you're not going to get everybody but you're gonna get a certain area of the of the market based on who you are um, so I think that that's a big part of, of this as well because you have to find a way to compete if you can't compete on a monetary scale then you have to find a different way to compete against those other brands and, and I would say that uniqueness is part of that.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, you have to figure out what you stand for. And like we always say, I think one of the objectives whenever we hold our business creative sessions, you ask anybody, what's the objective? The first thing out of everybody's stakeholder's ma- uh, mouth is money. And you usually have to get beyond that and say, okay, money, everybody wants to make money. But what is what is your core objective? And you can be number two in the market, and be okay with that. And if you're okay with that, great, you know, maybe you have a cheaper price point or whatever it is, maybe you're fine with that. But to throw more money at that to become number one in terms of advertising, I would ask you to delve a little deeper, delve a little deeper into like Jeremy said, what's your differentiator is a service, can you innovate that product to make it better, really look at the end customer and see, how your product is making it better for them and is there anything else think a little differently maybe there is another avenue that you can come at it
1: yeah i think that's i was going to touch on that too i think being a leader instead of a follower i think is a big part of it as well like you know so many times we see brands that just kind of do what's safe what everybody else is doing Mm -hmm. and i think in this day and age i think it's better to take a bit of a risk I think it's better to kind of go your own way a little bit uh, than just fall into everybody else. Because, yeah, the ones with the money are going to win in that scenario, I think, because they're able to push uh, their messages out more. But if you want to stand out in your own way, I think that sometimes you kind of have to go a little bit into left field um, and do something a little bit different to grab the attention that the others aren't going to get for, from being different. So.
3: That's true. That's true disruption. And if we look at any of the major players that have literally, you know, popped up Uber, I don't know, off the top of my head, so many disruptors in the last, you know, five, 10 years have all taken what was a traditional industry product, whatever, and completely rethought about it.
0: Mm -hmm. And then, and then, you know, pushed it out through all of the digital and social media channels that they could in order to build followers and all those kinds (laughs) of things. And so, I mean, I think the reality is is that branded social media is really crucial to the marketing plan today. That's, that's the bottom line. You know what, it's, it's not fake. Some of it is fake, but some of it is very helpful building these little networks of, people who have 15,000 or less followers where you can get your product in there. But but I think that there's some rules in order to not make it fake. One of the rules that we talked about is this idea of being authentic and, as, and being uh, differentiated as much as you can. The second one is that The content also has to be useful. You know what? If you're going to sell a vacuum, talk about the best way to vacuum a house or a condo. Or if you're going to sell food products, throw in some recipes. Um, If you're going to talk about dog grooming products, you know, show some really cute dogs. So I think that, you know, the, the content has to be, it can't be overlooked um, and it has to be as unbiased as possible. Obviously, if there's a product that you like that does things really well, and you're an influencer, you're going to talk about that product. But you also have to put it out there to be, you know, something that is connected to what your followers. Because at the end of the day, and, and you know, Jeremy, you said this right. It's trust. The reason that you have those followers is because of trust, and they trust you and they trust your opinion. Um, and whether you're a celebrity or you're an influencer with fifteen thousand people, I think it comes down to the long term view. And what is it that you're trying to do? You're not trying to sell vacuums for the next two months. You're actually trying to build a following and you're trying to share the things that you like, and you're trying to partner with brands that share your outlook on the world. I mean, we've seen influencers stop working with brands when they don't really feel that the brand is representing them anymore. And we've seen a lot of brands stop working with influencers that they don't feel are representing them even more because it's starting to leak into this regular life that that people have. It's not just about being an influencer and representing a brand, but it's what you do when you're not online that brands are looking at as well. So I think In order to to stop it from being fake, you you really have to follow all of those things and, and, and make sure that whatever you're coming out with, whether you're the influencer or whether you're the brand, making sure that your messages are still great, making sure that you're adding value, making sure that you're trying to be as authentic and differentiated as you can be. And I think then your branded social media won't be fake. So that's this week's of Everything is Brand. Join us next week. This is a really hot topic and we're gonna continue along the social media lines. And remember, everything is brand.